You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For almost a year now, actors have had very little in the way of exercising and using our creative muscles. So in this episode, I wanted to remind us of the craft and joy of acting. As Black History Month continues here on the podcast, who better to discuss the ins and outs of acting with than Emmy-winning actress Erin Cherry, who is also a teacher and coach who understands fully the desires and struggles of actors. Most of us who are acting are acting because of the insecurities that we have or the doubts that we have because we want to be seen, we want to be heard. Most of the time, it does not come from a place of confidence, but it's a way for us to express all the angst, all the traumas that we have. Welcome to Why I'll Never Make It, or Win Me for short. Here you'll connect with and learn from fellow creatives about navigating a career in the arts. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, a professional actor and singer for almost 30 years. This podcast is listener-supported and artist-driven, and you can become a member and take a deeper dive into the guests and topics we discuss here. Monthly support starts at just $3 a month, and with that, you can have bonus episodes delivered right to your podcast app each week. Go to join.whyillnevermakeit.com and sign up today. Within the arts, acting and singing, to a certain degree, are rather deceptive professions. When it comes to ballet or opera or musical composition, the skill and training it takes is rather obvious, and not just anyone can become successful at them. Yet performing seems simpler, more accessible. And that's why there's always been so many more actors than there are acting jobs. But in all actuality, it is the job of actors to make it look easy, to train and practice and act so naturally, it seems like they're not acting at all. Which, as we all know, is much easier said than done. Actress Erin Cherry, who prefers to go by Cherry, is a private acting coach and acting teacher at Maggie Flanagan Studio here in New York City. It's a Meisner-based acting program, which, if you're not familiar, basically aims to help actors get out of their head and behave instinctively to the surrounding environment. Well, Cherry put her training and coaching to good use in the Amazon Prime show After Forever. In 2019, she received her first Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Digital Daytime Drama Series. 
In part one of our conversation, Cherry talks about her first love, theater, and the amazing experience she had sharing the stage with Andre de Shields. She talks about making that transition from stage to the screen and how us actors can handle the consistent self-doubt and rejection we face. Well, welcome, Cherry, to the podcast. It is so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to just sit down with you and chop it up. Absolutely. Well, we're going to dive right in because across all the genres of, of performing, TV, film, stage, what would you say as an acting coach, as someone who has trained us actors, what would you say is the core message that you try to convey to us? The core message is really trust your instincts because we as artists, we don't trust ourselves even when we're training. And I think about my journey as an actress in training at um, Rutgers University and just uh, just as a coach and, and working over at Maggie Flanagan Studio, it's, we, we second guess ourselves, we doubt ourselves so much. And most of the time we're, we're in it, we're in the right area, we're in the right lane. You know, we're, you know how they say you're getting colder, you're getting warmer. Usually we're warm or we're hot and then we'll stop ourselves, we'll stop ourselves short or we don't commit all the way because we're too busy in our head worrying about what if this is wrong? What if this is right? You know, what, what if, what if? And there's really no right or wrong. It's just you want to get to whatever is the most specific behavior needed for the character that you're playing, but you have to trust yourself to explore, to get that humanity to come to the surface. Yeah. And what do, what do you think is the biggest cause of that self-doubt? Is it just that we, we, we think we're not making the right choices or we're not confident in our ability itself? What do you think that is? I, mean, I, think, it's a, I think it's both of those. And I think it's also that we, the way we're socialized, I guess you should say, you know, everybody, everybody's household's different. Um, a black woman or a black man being socialized is different from if there's an a, um, indigenous actress or a white male or a white actress, like everybody has their way that they're socialized in this country or in the world. And so when we come to acting, we bring a lot of that to it, to it, meaning you know, if we, if we weren't allowed to express our anger or we weren't allowed to show emotion or we weren't allowed to talk about certain things or afraid to show who we are growing up in the households, um, when we start to get challenged with those in class and training, they'll come up and those doubts pop up because most of us who are acting are acting because of the insecurities that we have or the doubts that we have because we want to be seen, we want to be heard. Most of the time, it does not come from a place of confidence in ourselves, but it's a way for us to express all the angst, all the traumas that we have to get it out. And because of the need to want to get it out, we get in our own way. Because it sounds like the, apart from getting into whatever character or scene, the first thing we have to do is get into ourselves and be able to express that fully. Yes. You know, who you are and asking yourself, what do you like? What do you don't like? Ask, figuring out who you are as a person on this planet what is your humanity? What kind of human are you? And, you know, journaling to having a therapist, getting to know yourself so you can tap into and dive into those different parts of your temperament, right? And you can bring that character to a three-dimensional level that we all love to see. Some of our favorite actors for me is like Regina King or Viola Davis and how they just fully commit. But, you know, those are actresses to me who are getting, who have known themselves or are getting to know themselves. And that's why I, I truly believe when you see artists, when you look at their canon of work, how they grow, you know, 20 years, you know, actors who've been in this business for 30, 40 years, and they have a canon that we can look at 
if you look at the beginnings of the work and to how they evolve, you see them growing and evolving in life experiences, going through a divorce, getting married, having a baby, dealing with death, you know, just all kinds of things will change you. And if you sit with those things and really work on those things, those spill over into your work organically. Absolutely. And what would you say are ways that you've improved as an actress by coaching others? Oh my gosh. Um, being patient with myself. Because you, know, you have to be patient with your actors. <laughs> you have to be patient with, um, you know, with with my clients, with my students, and just you know, sometimes when um, you know, if we're having a bad day or if somebody's not getting it, and just really learning to how do you get what you need from them or from myself, and be good and be gentle to yourself and not be hard on yourself and not come down on somebody because they may be having a bad day or who knows. Before COVID, when we were in the studio. Who, you know, it's who knows what happened on the subway or on the way to class? Who knows what, what they were dealing with before they before they came into the classroom to get up to work on that monologue? And so you have to keep that in mind that life it keeps going, like the end all be all is not acting. And I've learned to not be so hard on myself coaching and and working at Maggie Plan again because um it's really helped me be understanding even more so with um with who walks through our doors. And do you have like a, a procedure or some kind of thing that you go through when you've had a crappy audition or you messed up on stage or do, do you have a way of kind of dealing with those disappointments and rejections? Yeah, I you know when um when I have a crappy audition um before covid when we were meeting in person in doing auditions um I would just, I always gave myself time after the audition. So even if, but even when I think about 10, 15 years ago, when I was working and bartending, that was my, that was my skill, you know, survival skill was bartending and making drinks for people. So I was good at that. So I would just give myself time even before um, work, you know, um, or I would give myself a day off. So if I had no, depending on the advance notice I have for the audition, I would always treat myself, even if that means afterwards, Happy audition, walk to the nearest bar, have a glass of wine, sit with myself or or the um tearing up the sides, like ugh, just tear them up and get rid of them and not keep them. Um, <laughs> right. because you know, I don't want to keep looking at the lines over and over going, what what did I why didn't I say that line or what what did I miss? Oh my gosh, why didn't I read that stage direction? There's so many things that we do, right? And so um, you know, not harping on it. So um, it's like giving myself a, that glass of Prosecco or um, writing in my journal or coming home and dancing to my favorite song or watching, you know, a rerun that I loved back in the day. But I just give myself those little things to, to let it go. That's whatever you can do to let it go, let it go. Because sometimes you do crappy and then you get that call like, we really like you. Can you come back for a callback? And you're like, what? I got a callback. <laughs> so, well. Yeah. The beauty of this business is that we have those disappointments and rejections, but then we also have the mountaintop highs. And your biggest one is certainly, or at least one of, is the Emmy Award that you won for After Forever. I mean, that is basically the pinnacle uh, you know, of status and achievement when it comes to us as actors. And so is this award a part of that personal definition of making it for you? You know, it's so interesting because I the way people measure success, right? And I look at different parts of my career and my life and I love that she's in my house. I love looking at her. I love that um, that I want her, but I still feel like the measure of success 
is still happening, right? Because for me, it's, I want to, I would love to be in a room with Viola Davis, or I would love to be in a room with Regina King. I mean, and I love my cast of After Forever. There's some greats in my, like I'm the newcomer in my cast, which After Forever changed my life. And I'm so forever grateful to um, Kevin Spiritus and um, Michael Slade, who recently passed. That's been a really uh, heartbreaking, um, you know, um, journey because um, the show dealing with cancer and then he you know passes away with cancer and but I love working with them you know but there's some there's childhood greats that I have that I just I have been loving Viola uh, Davis and Regina King since when when Regina King was on 227 and Viola Davis when Viola Davis I saw her do seven guitars and King Haley like I used to watch her on these New York stages in theater and I remember when she did a um a this reading of the anniversary of intimate apparel. And I was just like, I just, I, I just want to work with her. And so um, for me, yes, I'm glad that I have it, but like my career is going to keep growing and going on because in the, in the perfect world success for me is going to be, if I can be in my nineties, like Cicely Tyson and look back on a great, great career, because I remember Cicely Tyson on my TV because of my mother. My mother, you know, made sure I had these images of Diane Carroll and Cicely Tyson, all these women, Lynn Whitfield growing up. And so success to me is being able to look back in my older golden years and have a career up like a Cicely Tyson, because that to me would be the ultimate success for me. Those are wonderful actresses to, uh, to pattern any career after for sure. Just artistic. It would be, yeah, that would, that's the dream. That would be the goal. That's the goal. So since you won the Emmy for your performance, what do you think distinguishes this role in After Forever or, or your portrayal of it from other shows that you've been in? That, I, that's a really good question. I feel like for me, I, the reason why I love Brenda so much is because she's beautiful. She's fashionable. She's the bright light. She has really cool energy and I have fun playing her because with the other roles that I've played that I love, I've never really gotten to play a, just a woman, right? Because I look at the career, I look at where I've started, you know, I was playing daughters or the ingenue, you know, or the young wife or playing, you know, so I look at the characters and I see how much I've grown. Like another one of my favorite performances is um, I, I played Andres DeShield's daughter in a play um, called Knock Me a Kiss, right? And again, I'm still that little girl. Again, I'm still, you know, making choices from a, a young woman's point of view, which helped shape my career. But now growing into a part where I can, you know, because I'm working out, I, I have a trainer, like I can show off my shape. I'm like, let me let people see this body, right? And um, I can really just um, dress up and wear really cool makeup and head wraps. And I, I really love... Um, that about Brenda. I love, I love that she, she's just, uh, she's just a cool chick. I like her a lot. Since theater was your, your first love, and then you've gotten more into on-screen performance, mm -hmm. what adjustments did you make to also find success from theater into TV and film? Oh gosh. Um, I feel like really the only adjustment is just really learning the camera. Um, when I, after forever is like my really first big tv role and gig as far as learning what it's like to be on set you know everything's been theater and theater's my first love um but watching other actors who know how to um be in front of the camera 
because in school we had um, a camera class, on camera class, and also to teaching and working at the Maggie Flanagan's is um, has been a learning experience for me too because having to put um, students on camera and helping them with the camera that's all helped me too. But when you actually start to put it into practical, you know, terms as far as you know how to how to hold up a prop or how to make sure that you're being seen and, and where the camera is following you and learning the terms. Um, I learned a lot of that on the set of, um, you know, After Forever. So that has been a learning curve for me because even though I've taken on-camera classes in the past, it's still not the same until you do it. And so watching Kevin Spiritus, watching Michael Yuri, you know, just come in. I remember he just, he learned his lines and came in and was like, what do I need to do? And he did it. I'm like, okay, I'm not there yet. <laughs> but you know, watching people, Katie Huffman and Anne, they, they, these people, you know, even though they're theater god and goddesses, they've been in front of the camera a lot, you know, with Kevin, with this, this soap opera world. And um, he really took me under um, his wing because I was just so nervous. And he would just, you know, let me know what was going on and what certain things meant and just really calmed me down as far as getting, walking me off the ledge of, with my nerves and work with me on my lines in between takes. And that it's it's just not the same. I love theater because I just want to be big and do my thing, but to be small and just to really have a conversation and like we are, you know, like we are now, but to do that on camera is very challenging. And so that's that's the adjustment I have to make. Right. And to do it consistently time yes, after time. time. Take after take, right? Yes, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there's those little things of if if you moved your hand to reach for a glass on that line, then every time you yes. say that line, now yes. you have to do that. Unless the director says, hey, stop doing that. But otherwise, you need to keep doing the same thing yes. for seven takes or how. Yes. Yeah. It's those little things. It's the little things like that. And then because you like we're like I was talking about earlier about instinct and trusting yourself. And sometimes you may not want to move organically, reach for that glass on the line but then you got you have to remember technical technically for the editing you you're gonna have to regardless and that's when you start to go against instinct because you're like okay i did it and it worked the first time but now we're on take five or six and you play around but then you find other ways to play around and, and work through with the lines as opposed to no matter what you do with that line make sure you're reaching for that glass <laughs> right. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's those it's those little things that that yes, you still get to be an actress, but at the same time now you have to be a technician as well and you know, <laughs> yeah. moving all the parts in, in yeah. all the right directions. Yeah. In one of the bonus episodes this week, Cherry actually shares her audition story of how she landed the role of Brenda in After Forever. And the thing was, she didn't even know it was an audition. So join WinMe to get access to that story and other bonus episodes at whyillnevermakeit.com. Often before interviews, especially when it's someone I may not know as well, like Cherry, I'll spend a few minutes getting to know them and their backstory a little better. One thing that Cherry and I share in common is that we both lived in Vegas. She actually grew up there and spent many of her formative years on the Strip, whereas I only spent a year there performing in Jubilee. Las Vegas is truly a unique place in terms of the types of shows offered and the kinds of audiences they get. It's, it's just a different experience from other stages around the country, especially in New York. New York audiences are people that you can actually really get to know, right? You walk out of a theater, um, even if you're on stage, you walk out and there's 
people out there who you, who love your work, they're fans, but then you find out that they're actors and artists as well, and you might see them in an audition room, or you might see that um, person that that asks for your autograph on the tr- subway or the train. They go, oh my God, I remember you You're from the show, and <laughs> you were so good, and it's so great. Or you go to West End Cafe, and everybody's there, and you know, and you know, people get to know each other. Um, Las Vegas, it's touristy, right? So I'm not saying that New York's not touristy, but there's so many artists who've come from other places to New York. And in Vegas, so many people come there to to gamble and, and dance and they see shows. But then, you know, you could, you know, I've never performed in one of the big shows like the Six Freedom Roys or the, um, what, J-Lo had a show there, Celine Dion, you know, the big people, Bette Midler, they all have shows there, you know, but I've never experience being a dancer in one of those shows but you know you just dance and for my friends I've had friends in shows and so watching them and how they will do you know their dance Chicago if it's their on tour and then they they're done and they go to their hotel room or they go out to party but you don't see any fans people don't know who you are and <laughs> you don't get to know the tours because that tourist goes this is a show and they're off to gambling and going off to dinner or doing something else so there's a cultural a theater cultural performance culture that I love about New York that you don't get in Vegas. That's true. That that stage door ritual is really something unique to you. If I could say that is unique to New York theater in in particular. (laughs) I I, I mean, I I think, you know, LA is not really as much of a theater town, but certainly Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of it, but in New York particular, there's something about audiences, whether they're the tourists who've come in, who, who love this show or love this, this particular actor, or they're actors like me who just want to be in that show, (laughs) you know, that, that stage (laughs) door uh, kind of assembly line of going down and autographs and greeting people is, is a lot of fun, but, and, you know, I've only been on one side of it so far, but uh, you know, I look forward to being on the other side eventually. Yes. Yes. I look forward to seeing you on the other side eventually too. That's not, you know, yeah, it's just interesting how you could be on a show in Vegas and walk out and no one knows that you were in the show. Nobody. They nope. No one knows that you were dancing behind, you know, Britney Spears. <laughs> you know, like, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, well yeah. And for the show that I was in Jubilee, mm-hmm. it's mostly the topless women. That That's who gets all the attention. I, mean, I, I Us singers were really just <laughs> there so that the dancers could change costumes. We're there to just kind of be a filler. Okay. Yeah. Now let's bring back on why you're really here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and of course the women are topless. So, I mean, who's going to top that? I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm leading them down the stairs, but they're, they're the star of the show. Not exactly. me. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of, of stars, you had mentioned working with Andre de Shields, who mm-hmm. is just an icon of mine. I absolutely love him. And I think for many people, even you know, I, I I've been following his career for a long time, but I think he really hit a high point, both in winning the Tony Award, but also that speech that he gave, and it's kind of become a mantra not only for me but for this podcast. So, I would like to share with you just three cardinal rules of my ability and longevity. One: surround yourself with people whose eyes light up when they see you coming. Two, slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. And three, the top of one mountain is the bottom of the next. So keep climbing. What was it like working with him day in and day out? Well, at first I had to get over my starstruck, right? Because 
I, I tend to just come in and just go to work regardless of who's in the room. But there's certain people that I know myself that I'm just, it's going to take me a minute. Like the minute I, I'm going to put out there that I'm going to work with Regina King, as you notice, I keep bringing her up. I feel like whatever day I'm on set with her, I need an hour to just stop staring at her. Right. So I, it was like that with me for Andre at the beginning. I was so nervous because Again, I knew who he was. He didn't know who I was. Like, I loved him. I knew about him because he was the original Wiz, you know, hearing that cast album and my mother growing up just in theater, just knowing all of that and just knowing that what an icon he was and it still is. I, when I got cast as his daughter, I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, talk about pressure and the bar being raised and bringing it because watching him work in rehearsals and the lines and just how he would come to rehearsal and he was ready. Just the director said action or let's, let's block lines are in his body. He, he, and he knew what the right questions to ask. Or if there was, I learned how to really collaborate with your director through him and of certain things that you, that you're not clear about and how to approach a director and how to really just put together a show and watching him lead a show because you know, he's playing W.E.B. Du Bois in the, in the play Knock Me a Kiss. And he's, you know, he has to carry the show. And then it's not just him. It's me. It's, you know, Jillian and, you know, and Rakamari and just the other cast members, Sean, all of us together as a unit. And so I learned really how, as the lead of the show, you carrying everybody else with you and how important that is, too. So it's not just about you in the show and your character. It's about the show as a whole and who's coming, who's there with you and the pressure of that. And so I just, and as he embraced me, like to this day, he calls me daughter. I call him Papa because we bonded so much. And whenever I had questions, I would ask him and he would be there to answer. And, and he was just, he was just such a delight. You know, of course it's like, you know, royalty. So of course there was boundaries, of course, because you, you, you're going to come to Andre, you got to come to him. Correct. Right. But he was very generous and very open and available to me. And I really don't think I've could have, could have gotten through that performance without him because I was so nervous if, because he was playing my dad and I was, and he was just not a diva to me. He was really nice and warm and loving. And it made, it made it easier because, you know, you hear stories about people being in shows with people who for whatever reason, they're the way that they are. And I did not have that experience with him. And I'm just glad because one of my fears of meeting people that I love and look up to is that it doesn't work out. And then I'll be boohooing in my bed, you know? It's amazing when you get to work with those people who really lead by example. And it sounds like that that's what he did for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 He was definitely, yeah. I just, I think about it and it's one of my favorite performances because I remember being told, by one of my mentors that, you know, if you can count on one hand performances that change your life, you're, you're lucky as an artist. And so um, that's one of my top five. It's just um, so far that, that time experience and being with him and really learning um, and playing in a, a real person, you know, cause I played W.E.B. Du Bois, real daughter, Yolanda Du Bois. And the pressures of playing somebody who really exists um, is very hard too, because you got to bring it. You got to make sure your research is intact. You have to make sure that you're not doing, you know, injustice to the family. And what if their nephew comes to the audience or their niece or their granddaughter, somebody who the bloodline comes and they're like, um, you missed the boat. That's that, there was that pressure too. Well, it certainly sounds like that you were able to rise to that challenge in that show. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm glad I did. It was, it was hard, but I, I loved every minute of it. 
While the work and craft of acting can feel sometimes solitary and inward, there is a special connection and understanding that can only be achieved in collaborating with other actors and directors. And playing alongside such an icon of the stage as Andre de Shields would be an honor and a blessing for any actor. Apart from her work on television and on stage, Cherry has also created her own work and provided opportunities for other artists. In part two of our conversation, she'll talk about two ways that she is elevating the exposure and profile of Black artists in her own production called Sundays with the Cherry on Top and a joint venture with Nigerian artists called Now Africa. Thank you so much for joining me and Cherry today. And if you know someone who you think could benefit from this conversation, please share this podcast with them. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of recording, editing, and producing the podcast. Dylan Adams helps with booking guests. Music in this episode provided by Blue Dot Sessions and Vortex. Don't miss part two with Cherry as we talk more about why I'll never make it. CFOs and controllers, there's a better way to manage cards, expenses, travel, and reimbursements. You need a unified spend platform from Brex that lets you control all your spend in one place, automate compliance, and close the books faster. Get started at Brex.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.